Hey, Rudy. You know what the cracker said to Dave Chappelle? No. I'm Ritz, bits. <laughs> All right. It's the Roller Around the Barrel Vintage Baseball Podcast talking to people in the vintage baseball community from coast to coast, border to border. Great guest this week. Uh, joined by, I. by the way, I always forget this part. Do you people know who the hell I am? I am the Barrel Roller, Matthew Bernard. Joined by my co-host... The Shangri-La of the Lalas, Rudy Swampbox for us. Rudy, how you doing? Hey, Barrel Roller. It's so good to see you. Rudy was, as usual, 15 minutes late today. But you know what? It's hard. It's hard to complain about a guy who's helping out with his son's t-ball team. How, do, how, exactly, how exactly am I supposed to insult the man on the air? I did it all off the air. <laughs> it, was, it was masterful, too. Masterfully done. Uh, Rudy, good to see you. Uh, T-ball has started. How is the life of a newfound coach of his son? What's this like? Uh, coaches, you don't coach T-ball. You aim T-ball. So I'm going to, I'm going, it's going well. Um, I just, I'm just excited that there's an interest in it. And I am bribing, uh, the last, last season was Bubblegum this season, Gatorade. So <laughs> we're moving on up. Yeah, that reminds me of how you and I are going to enjoy some orange slices at the Akron Cup, or orange slice moonshine anyway. And speaking <laughs> of the Akron Cup, coming up on July 8th and 9th in Akron, Ohio, at the Stan Hewitt Hall and Gardens. We're also doing the Mightiest Striker and the Gingerly Gentleman. Rudy got a, a look at the posters and the championship belt. For the gingerly gentleman today, uh, of course, the mightiest striker wins the mighty mallet that's being built as we speak by somebody who knows what they're doing, not me. Uh, next week's show, uh, this is news for Rudy because <laughs> I, I never tell him anything. You got a whole week to think about it this time, Rudy. It's uh, Bob Bear of the Iron Horses of the Erie Railway, and we have a warm-up with the Temecula Deer Brothers Baseball Club from California. So. Full show next week. Uh, I think we've hit on just about everything. Uh, Rudy, did, did we miss something? We did not. We, we, we had the audience. The, the listeners are all caught up. All right. So let's bring in our guest. He's an author. He's a vintage baseball enthusiast. He's a nerd. Probably. I don't know this. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Yes, sure. uh, we have a history of nerds on this show. I Rudy's kind of a nerd in a way. I am too. Here he is, all the way from Missouri, Jack Pelican. Did I say that right, Jack? You did. You did. Yeah, it's uh, like the bird with a K instead of a C. <laughs> well, I'm always afraid when I see your name to sound it like Pelican because I'm like, if it's not Pelican, he's tired of hearing Pelican. So <laughs> it could be worse. I think it's I think it's Czech, but I don't know. I'm uh, I'm like fifth generation St. Louis. Oh. <laughs> so uh Jack, welcome to the show. Uh you were brave enough to admit you've actually listened to a couple episodes of this garbage. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't call it garbage, you know. It's very very entertaining and uh, actually was a, a, a huge uh, a huge good piece of intel when I was doing some research on the book, particularly on your uh, episode with uh, Scott Tiny Hamlin of the Black Stockings. You're right. It's not garbage. I just have to say that. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate you using us as a source piece because, because Rudy, that's why we do this, right? I mean, sure, we throw in some entertainment, but we want to be a source for, for vintage baseball, right, Rudy? That's right. We do it for the kids. <laughs> no, you do fair fouls for the kids, Rudy. You're getting this oh. all mixed up. No. Yeah, you're right. Very good point. Okay, uh, Jack, Let's. Uh, we're here mainly to talk to you, but you have a book that, that just came out, or actually, is it in pre-sale right now? No, it's, uh, it's out. I think it officially okay. released on uh, May 2nd. Okay, so we're going to let you give the spiel for the book that you've probably given so many times you don't even have to think about what you're about to say. So give us the book 
<laughs> the book speech, and then we'll talk about from the beginning process of, of how this all started. Sure, sure. Hopefully, I don't have to run long. You can uh, hit no, the wrap it up. You have easy. you have all the time you want, <laughs> Jack. You go. You have all the time. All right. So, yeah, so vintage baseball's enduring legacy is really uh, a story of, of 19th century baseball then and now. So what do I mean by that? Uh, so break it down. The book is really split into three parts. So, you know, part one is a condensed history of baseball's pioneer era, you know, circa 1840, 1870, where the game really evolved from, you know, a niche hobby among New Yorkers to, you know, America's pastime. And, you know, I get into some of those, you know, contributing events like the Civil War and clubs like the Knickerbockers and 1869 Cincinnati Red Stockings and, of course, some of the influential people like Henry Chadwick and Doc Adams. So, you know, part one really just establishes context on that era that, uh, you know, a lot of today's vintage clubs are, are seeking to recreate. Um, and then before I get into um, the vintage baseball community in part three itself, you know, part two is kind of a bridge for that century-plus gap between when you know, the pioneer era ended around 1870 and then when, you know, vintage baseball's revival really took off in Long Island and Columbus. Um, you know, every ballist has their own reasons for, you know, why they got into vintage ball. But, you know, part two gets into some of the, you know, trends of baseball over the past 120 plus years uh, with the professional game from, you know, uh, some of the seismic shifts around, you know, collective bargaining and free agency and labor stoppages to just some of the added complexities with, um, you know, with analytics and, you know, uh, increasing usage of technology and even some of the scandals that came out of that, like Hackgate and Codebreaker. Um, and then also just, you know, getting into the whole, you know, uh, polarizing topic of, of tanking and competitive balancing. So, you know, really just kind of exploring the rapid adaptation of, of modern baseball um, and how that's kind of fragmented the fan base and motivated some to, to, to seek the game back in, in its pure form. And lastly, you know, part three is a, a deep dive into the vintage baseball community. Um, you know, of course, I have a chapter on the old Beth page in Ohio Village programs and, you know, their role in kind of bringing the, bringing the, the game back. Um, but then I tried to take a, a fairly diverse cross section of clubs from different parts of the country, portraying different eras. Um, you know, each club's chapter is, is more than just stats and records. It's, uh, you know, really the baseball history of the places that they come from in the 19th century clubs that they're recreating. Um, and then just also just the human interest side of things with, uh, you know, interviews with the club captains and, you know, what, what the game means to them and, and their surrounding communities. So, you know, it's really hard to tell the whole story of the 400 plus clubs that, that play vintage ball. But, you know, with, with these clubs covered, you can see a common thread, you know, around their commitment to historical preservation and sportsmanship, the overall sense of community and camaraderie uh, that they share with one another. Um, and then lastly, you know, there are some special features, you know, dozen or so photos from different clubs, a whole uh, uh, chronological table of rule changes by year, um, as it's often very difficult to track, even for even for for balls themselves. And then, um, you know, with the BBS permission, printed a um, you know dictionary of terms, which uh, you know is, is part of the fun of it all. So that's in a nutshell. Hopefully, uh, you know that's uh, that, that does it justice. <laughs> well, you used about seven teams or clubs as reference. Uh, in the book, does that mean uh, there's 400 clubs to deal with? Are we looking forward to about 32 sequels to the book? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> if, if I had the time, I would. But uh, you know, I'm uh, I've, I've got a couple jobs and, and, and two kids under the age of seven, so uh, you know, you know how much time I got. <laughs> Rudy it's knows a miracle. How much time. <laughs> I was about to say it's a miracle that you even produced the book. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like 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 so many hobbies, it started as kind of a pandemic lockdown uh, hobby. You know, kids go to bed, start plugging away, and um, you know, just just kicking the tires. You know, I always wanted to to to, to write a book, and you know, I, I don't think I'm you know creative or eccentric enough for fiction. So uh, you know, I thought uh, nonfiction was the way to go, and. Um, you know, I wanted it to be a project. If I'm going to put in all the time of research, it, it's got to be something I, I love. And, you know, I, I get into the book, how I, how I uh, stumbled upon vintage baseball about uh, 10 years ago in my, uh, in, in my neighborhood at the time, Lafayette Square. And, uh, you know, it always kind of left a positive impression in, in just seeing those games. And then, you know, just, just how the folks that I reached out to, you know, this relative outsider just opened up, poured out their souls, you know, and, and just gave incredible content, you know, just, took me in another wing. So um, I think that just speaks to the, you know, community that vintage baseball is. Uh, tell everybody, so we don't forget, we'll probably do it a couple more times, but tell everybody where they can go and purchase this book right now. 
Sure. Well, you know, like everything, it's on Amazon uh, in uh, in ebook and, and paperback. Um, no hard no hardcover. Sorry, but um, also available on the publisher's website, uh, Poco Press, which is P O C O L Press, one word, uh, dot com. So um, you know, can get it either place. But um, paperbacks on the publisher site. I think the shipping is is, is cheaper. Um, and then again, you can get the ebook or uh, or paperback on Amazon as well. So you said you didn't run across vintage baseball until about 10 years ago. That was with the St. Louis Lafayette Square Cyclones. They were obviously uh, lo- located close. How did you run across them, you know, in your everyday life? And uh, what was your experience like when you first uh, dipped your toe in the water of seeing vintage baseball? Yeah, so, uh, you know, at the time I was living in the Lafayette Square neighborhood, it's about about two miles southwest of, of, of downtown St. Louis, you know, about two miles from uh, Bush Stadium where the Cardinals play. And, um, you know, really cool community. It's known as a, um, you know, national preservation in this community. Um, you know, it's the first city park uh, west of the Mississippi River. Um, and they, they tried to really keep it that way. Um, surrounded by these gorgeous Victorian row houses that are, you know, from the 1800s that, you know, people come in and, and maintain and kind of keep to their original grandeur. Um, and then this park, you know, it's about 30 acres and it's got, you know, the, the original wrought iron fencing, you know, statues, um, you know, no modern park amenities, you know, no power lines, no backstops, bleachers and, and the like. I mean, they really kept it to its, uh, to its original form. And so, uh, two clubs there, the shameless perfectos and the Lafayette Square Cyclones, you know, play there. They actually had a, uh, Shepherd Barkley festival, uh, last weekend. Um, and, and again, they, um, you know, they, they play the game, you know, quite a bit um, and, and have festivals there. And, you know, they're always playing in that northwest corner of the park and uh, always, always, always welcome and friendly to anybody who wants to come by and ask questions. And, you know, I was just taking a walk in the park and, uh, you know, saw the game. What kind of interesting was a little bit confused at first. They were, you know, an inning ended on a, on a, on a bound catch. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, is, is the umpire nearsighted? Like, what, what, what's, what's up? So, um this, this gentleman, Jonathan Charlie Brown Ferris, who's, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, since passed, but, uh, you know, he just, he just opened up and, and just started explaining the game to me. And, uh, you know, in 15 minutes, he explained gameplay, explained the rules, the etiquette, the fines, you know, um, the, uh, the jargon. And, uh, you know, I was just hooked. I, I thought it was wonderful. Um, uh, I was probably a little too shy to, to jump in and start playing, even though I'm sure they would have allowed me. But, uh, you know, it, it just kind of stuck with me and just lingered. And, and that memory has just stuck with me from, you know, when I, the time I started writing the book and even to today. So 10 years ago, you come across the, the cyclone. And uh, how long into this 10-year relationship did you realize you wanted to write a book? You know, like I said, it's, uh, it, it's it's I've wanted to write a book since probably college, but, you know, it's you know, where, where do you find the time? Right. But, um, you know, like, like everything during the pandemic, uh, people started taking up hobbies and I'm probably a, a harsh critic on myself, but I kind of feel like writing is probably one of the few things that, uh, that I, I'm not terrible at. So I said, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, you know, give this a whirl. And so, um, you know, it started, it was like a two year journey to get this thing, uh, to print, but, um, you know, I enjoyed the process. It wasn't just a, a grind to get there. So, you know, I would look forward to, you know, working my nine to five, putting the kids to bed and then just, you know, diving into the world of baseball history. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm glad I did it. Hundreds of That's diapers, it. hundreds of diapers were changed. In <laughs> hundreds, of diapers. <laughs> hundreds of diapers, hundreds of diapers. Yeah. It, you sometimes feel like you'll never stop changing diapers. Um, yeah. Uh, that, that's amazing that you got, uh, had such a great first experience with vintage baseball and, and with a fantastic club and individual and this wealth of knowledge, when and who were the first people you were reaching out to when you started writing? Like, um, that wasn't associated with the St. Louis area. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to kind of take a top down approach. So I started with the BBBA and, uh, you know, Bob Sampson, who's, you know, written, written some books himself and, uh, just couldn't, couldn't be a nicer guy. Um, you know, he, he pointed me to a couple books to get started, uh, great one by Peter Morris, uh, but didn't we have fun yet about the pioneer era. And, um, of course, uh, gentleman Jim Toodle's uh, book on vintage baseball from 
2011, which for the record, I, I, I'm not competing with that work. That is, that is an authoritative, um, you know, everything compendium of, of vintage baseball. And I actually cited it quite a bit in my work. Um, so this is more of a, a history and a, a human interest piece. Uh, Bob Sampson, so, yeah. wonderful guy. Uh, everybody can go back in the archives, and you don't even have to go back that far. I'm going to assume this is one of the episodes Jack listened to. Am I right, Bob Sampson? Um, you know, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember, but uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I just I just reached out to Bob directly. You know, he was the the uh, the VBBA historian still is, and uh, yeah, just trading emails with him, and you know. You talk to somebody and they tell you to talk to 15 other people. So it just kind of <laughs> propagated. Um, and I think that just speaks to the tight knit community you guys have. Oh, I Very wasn't true. saying, I wasn't saying that you used us as why you contacted Bob Sampson. No, we're, he's much too big for us to be the reference point on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you're dealing with the local St. Louis club and you start a process obviously you wanted to bounce around the United States uh, when you're looking at clubs. So you're using the VBBA as a reference and, and, and everybody. Uh, I assume that all of these clubs on your list were, were pretty complimentary, but I'm going to ask, was there a team that didn't want to be part of the book? You don't have to name them. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, I mean, there, there, there were no like, you know, unequivocal nose, but there were some folks that, you know, responded initially and then kind of just, you know, uh, kind of stopped after that or, or, you know, a few, a few that didn't respond, but, you know, nobody was impolite or, 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 or rude about it. I think, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, uh, kind of a pseudo random process, but I think that, um, you know, some of these clubs, you know, just all these clubs I covered, you know, you can just tell from their, you know, their Facebook and their blogs, you know, just the, the quality of, of documentation records they keep. You know, it, it just spoke to, you know, their, how serious they take this. And um, that kind of tipped me off to reach out. And, you know, the, the, these folks just, you know, were, were, were you know, just so helpful, uh, wanting to do anything to help the project. And uh, I'm very thankful for it. Uh, I guess when you throw out there that you're also a member of Sabre, that carries some weight as well. Writing a book, member of Sabre, vintage baseball. <laughs> I mean, uh, what's, yeah. the, what's the chapter of Sabre that you're a part of? Uh, it's the, the Bob Greg St. Louis chapter, which is funny because I, I live in Columbia, Missouri, which is basically halfway between uh, St. Louis and Kansas City. But I'm a St. Louis guy, and uh, you know they, they do offer virtual meetings and so forth, and uh, hoping to, uh, to to do a presentation at uh, at both actually. So let's go through the clubs a little bit and uh, talk about your experience uh, with them. Uh, there were there was the Mountain Athletic Club from from New York. Was Colin Miller your contact on that? He, he was, yeah. I mean, just, just fantastic. I mean, he, he, you know, like I said, uh, you know, I feel like this, these chapters of subjects wrote them for me, you know, I'm just the scribe. I mean, their blogs, their interviews, uh, their email interviews, their phone interviews, um, the pictures they contributed. Um, you know, it was just basically just, just packaging what, 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 what they've already, already provided. I mean, that was, you know, I, I'm, I'm a relative outsider of vintage baseball. I'm not here to, you know, weigh in on my opinion. I'm here to, you know, capture it from the, from the folks that, that, that make this such a great thing. So, um, Colin is, you know, uh, a plethora of knowledge and, you know, just incredible photos, just incredible perspective and, uh, you know, has been a, a huge support of the book. Colin's a, a supporter of the show. He is so full of knowledge. We did two episodes with him, uh, in our archives <laughs> and uh, I, I know I look forward to meeting him someday, uh, and ha having some of his passion and knowledge rub off on me. Uh, Rudy, have you ever met Colin? You were in New York. Uh, no, I uh, no. Well, not no. I'm gonna say we've we've virtually met many a time. I, I believe we might have both been in Gettysburg once or twice, <clears throat> but never really crossed paths officially uh that's all right i'd be jealous uh so <laughs> then you move on to the ohio village lady diamonds uh and the fine lasses from the columbus area that rudy is very uh knowledgeable of because his mother had quite an influence on that club rudy tell jack about your mother <laughs> 
my mother and uh, Pam Coons were the original, uh, 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 the, the, I, wow, I almost said forefathers. <laughs> no, no, uh, they were the individuals who started the Ladies Diamond Baseball Club uh, with the Ohio Historical Society at that time. So, yeah, they, we, uh, the Diamond told a special place in all of our hearts, for sure, here in Ohio. So that's, that's, I was really excited to hear about that. Who was yeah, your, I mean, it was just... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you who your contact was with the Lady Diamonds. Yeah, Jackie Corker. She was just fantastic. I mean, just played for... I think she's going on uh, over a quarter century uh, with the program and had captain it. And, uh, you know, I, I actually started with Don Big Dad Anderson, who's, you know, uh, been been with the uh, Muffins since, I want to say, the mid-'80s. Uh, he said, you got to talk to Jackie. And so, um, you know, the... Uh, uh, the, the quality of the referrals is outstanding. I'll give you, I'll say that throughout this whole project. Yeah, that's amazing. The uh, Jackie is a fantastic, like, you know, you know how difficult, I'm sure you've heard uh, through your conversations how difficult it is to maintain a vintage baseball club and, and maintain longevity. And Oof. the fact that the Diamonds have been around for, you know, since the late, early 90s is, is a testament to people like Jackie who have shown up and are passionate and they stay involved in the community. I'm so glad you got a chance to talk to Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just a great, just a very inspiring story and also just so encouraging how they've been able to, you know, just continue carrying on the game, you know, from, you know, mother to daughter or mother to daughter-in-law and, um, you know, just to, uh, you know, they've got Ohio state students, they've got, you know, uh, you know, senior citizens. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's just incredible how they're able to, you know, engage so many different, uh, you know, walks of life. Absolutely. I don't want to hear comp, uh, complaining out of any club talking about how they can't get people to show up. You can't hold a candle to what the diamonds have been dealing with. Oh yeah. Their inception. So the fact that the diamonds still are making it happen makes me very happy. Yeah, me too. My favorite thing about the diamonds is they're having fun. I mean, oh, you can God. see it on their face. I mean, we interviewed, oh, yeah. we interviewed some of the Diamonds at the Ohio Cup last year, and the smiles just don't go away whenever they're out there. It's what attracted us to bring them in to talk to them because they were, they were having way more fun than everybody else. And uh, <laughs> uh, incredible ladies we've, that I've met with the Diamonds. Rudy knows all of them. It's not fair. Uh, then you, <laughs> then you uh, went on to the Akron Black Stockings, and it's just coincidental that Rudy and I are taking the podcast on the road July 8th and 9th to the Akron Cup. Well, actually, Rudy is the captain of the Columbus Capitals uh, Vintage Baseball Club, so they're actually playing in the Akron Cup. Uh, but we're doing color and play-by-play of the Akron Cup and also making our videos of the games on the main on the main field, and we'll be doing Gingerly Gentlemen and Mightiest Striker that night on the 8th. Anyway, I got that plug out of the way. I would assume that your contact with the Akron Blackstockings was a Mr. Scott Hamlin. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, just, just fantastic. And, uh, you know, great player too. <laughs> who, who referred tiny to you? I want to know that person. <laughs> you know, I actually, I, I started with the, the Blackstockings, you know, uh, uh, you know, club, club email. Um, and, okay. uh, you know, he was, I think he was kind of doing it all as a, uh, I think, I think initially he was handling some of the web stuff and then he's got, uh, he's got, uh, he's got freight train and, uh, um, blanking on the other name. Beard. On the yeah. Yeah. yeah Jar- Jarvis and, and Zonfo. Yep. Yep. So, yep. uh, but yeah, um, you know, he was, he was kind of, you know, manning the emails back then and, uh, yeah, just incredible, incredible, uh, source information and, uh, you know, just, just a cool club and they actually, you know, made the cover, um, in front of San Hewitt Hall. So, I just thought it was, you know, just a fantastic picture of a panoramic view with an incredible backdrop. Uh, they're playing the Addison Mountain Stars, um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an all NAVB cover. So <laughs> I don't I don't know if you're aware of the monster you've created now that you've put Tiny and the Akron Blackstockings prominently in this publication. But I, I, I'm only bringing that up because Tiny. Uh, he uh, sent me a text message of an excerpt of the book that he talks about the uh, infamous uh, Norton Cider Festival match between, and he's like, he he just wanted he wanted to let me know that now it's official because it's in print. So he's 
Well, well, if anything, if anything's untrue, you can blame him because I'm purely just the uh, I'm purely just the recorder. No, it's it's all true. He's just excited that now it's it's a it's like in print forever. So for sure. Uh, have you before we get to the other couple of clubs? Have you been to any of these other locations besides the St. Louis location? You know, believe it or not, no. Uh, that, that, I, I, I hope I hope to change that. You know, I love to at least go to the grand, granddaddy of them all in Columbus. But uh, you know, like I said, uh, you know, I'm uh, I, I'm at a stage in life where I'm uh, I don't travel a lot. You know, <laughs> and uh, I'm actually uh, you know as, as my my kids grow older, you know, maybe that changes. But uh, and I'm actually kind of uh, you know in between. Uh, you know, I've I've worked in corporate for 15 years, but I'm actually starting as a as a university professor in the fall, so I've got a lot of ramp up time for that as well. <laughs> Told you. You have your history. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> before we go on to the other teams, Rudy, it's it's important for us to pause right now and acknowledge the fact that that the Roller Out the Barrel Vintage Baseball podcast was used as a point of reference in this book. I want to know: Are we mentioned in the book, or are we just mentioned in references? I want to know. <laughs> no, it, you, you guys absolutely are. Um, yes. I, I actually took some uh, took some uh, quotes from, uh, from the interview with Scott. Um, I think. You know, uh, you know, Matthew. I think you 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 talked about your first encounter with the with the black stockings. Um, I, I think it was Ohio Cup. Uh, you were probably subbing. I think you were subbing for a Minnesota team, and uh, you know, you had that. Uh, you, you hit that nice single, and kind of casually overextended first, and they uh, they, uh, they 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 kept their uh, they kept their uh, thinking caps on and, uh, and and pulled a fast one on you, and so uh, you kind of realize that's uh, that, that's who black stockings were, and. Uh, <laughs> And of course, Rudy's got a great quote about, uh, you know, kind of dreading every time uh, Tiny uh, squares up because uh, it's going to be a line drive and it's going to be real hard to catch. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, the Black Stockings uh, introduced me to the fact that I was going to the Ohio Cup and I had heard it was just a very laid back and, and happy atmosphere. And uh, Mr. Hamblin reminded me that there's some people still playing baseball out here. <laughs> and uh, so that was a nice, how do you do? And uh, so I don't think I've ever let my guard down since, since that play. So that's embarrassing. All right, moving on. We don't need to talk about that anymore. You, then you went to and got some of the West Coast, and you got Arizona's Fort Verde Excelsiors. Uh, what was your experience with, with that club? Yeah, so um... – so I, I had initially, uh, you know, I wanted to get some, some some West Coast, you know, representation. I had actually initially reached out to the Prescott champions, and I don't know if you're familiar with the, the late Mike Ace Adrian, um, just just an absolute legend. Um, and uh, you know, he had he had, you know, the book's actually dedicated uh, partly to his memory, just because he had offered to help uh, with the project even in his you know final days. But he referred to me to his good friend Bill Helm and. Uh, you know, Bill was the, the captain of uh, Fort Verde at the time and has since moved up to Billingham, Washington, where he's, uh, you know, starting the club, the, the Whatcom. They were the base stars and out of the aces in honor of uh, his good friend, uh, Mike. So, um, you know, it's just uh, couldn't have a better ambassador of the game to, to spread the game to, uh, to, 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 you know, the, the far corners of the country. So, you know, appreciate, appreciate Bill for that. Uh, we also had Bill Helm on the show talking about the VBBA conference. Rudy, are we running out of people to interview? <laughs> no we have finally found like the individual that's connecting all of the pieces that we're putting out there this is amazing that's good i'm glad to be the glue uh bill uh bill helm uh has so much knowledge that we didn't even get to because all we did was talk about the conference with him so i feel like we shortchanged him but uh, uh i'm sure we'll bring up bill again uh, another club, the last club I see on the list here is the uh, Washington State's Watcom Aces. I've never heard of them. Well, they, yeah, that, that's that's the club Bill is Bill is starting up in uh, up in Northwest uh, Washington. I mean, you know, you think about the Pacific Northwest. You, you know, to, to his knowledge, there there wasn't a club north of Portland. Um, so it's a, it's it's a tall order. I mean, you know, Seattle's a big city, but. Um, you know, uh, even, uh, I haven't mentioned in the book, uh, you know, Alexander Cartwright's how, however many generations of, 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 I think it's his great, great grandson, or, uh, you know, I'd have to go back and double check, but, you know, he had, he had attempted to start a league back in 06 up there and, you know, it kind of, kind of fizzled. So, uh, it, it's, it's a tall order. I think, you know, Bill mentions just, you know, the, 
the, the, the frequent range and, you know, it's a, it's a, a you know, softball is a huge deal up there, but, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, he's had some, some informational meetings and some, uh, you know, some practices and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just proof that, uh, you know, vintage baseball can, can thrive anywhere, you know, just with the right, uh, with the right uh, exposure. Do they still exist right now? You know, I'm not sure. He's got his Facebook page up. I think, you know, it's just, uh, you know, work in progress. But, um, you know, uh, I, I won't speak on, on Bill's behalf. <laughs> uh, we'd love to talk to uh, somebody uh, associated with the Whatcom Aces in Washington and uh, see what that uh, episode would turn into. That that would be great. Hey, uh, Jack, what was your relationship with baseball before you ran across the vintage style? Sure. Well, uh, you know, lifelong Cardinals fan was a season ticket holder for 10 years over in the bleachers. Um, you know, it's uh, hard to be a fan today, but, uh, you know, I, I guess we're getting our, 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 our well-deserved dose of humble pie, you know, being uh, the self-anointed best fans in baseball and uh, now sitting in the uh, cellar of the NL Central. But, um, you know, always, always have loved the game of baseball really at all levels. Um, not much of a player. I think I quit at about fifth grade. Uh, I don't have the best hand-eye coordination. I'm more of a... Uh, more of a runner, so to speak. Uh, you know, my wife is a, is a big runner and when you marry a runner, you become a runner yourself. So, um, you know, definitely, uh, definitely active, but, uh, you know, not, not great hand eye, but, you know, I, I would love to pick up vintage baseball, uh, you know, uh, when, when the time's right. Cause you know, it's, um, it's, uh, it, it, it's something for everybody, you know, most of these teams have no, you know, ability requirements. And, uh, I think that's one part of the appeal. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of skill levels, all kinds of rules, uh, as you came across, that, that actually get played. Vintage baseball is not this one set of rule umbrella over the entire country. There's many different years that, that get used. There's many different skill levels on purpose. Uh, you know, there are clubs that are, are use it as a club atmosphere and a family atmosphere, and they do it for, heck, kind of like when it was in its infancy for exercise, for fun, uh, to get together. And then there's the clubs that turned it into a competition, which also happened accurately uh, back back after the Civil War. So, uh, yeah, vintage baseball, really cool. Hey, <laughs> hey uh, Jack, uh, how old are you? I am, uh, I'm, I'm almost 40, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not shying away from it. I'm a, I'm a very youthful 39. <laughs> so you're right at vintage baseball's prime right there. You're right at the 40, right where you need to be. Get in some years yeah, right now and, because your kids are not going to allow you to do it in, a, in <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I got that going against me and, uh, you know, there, there is no club in Columbia, Missouri. Um, so I've also taken that as to do, I would love to at least, uh, you know, get some clubs, host an exhibition game. I know, um, I know St. Louis Brown stockings have, have, have come and done exhibition games with Pika Western. So, um, you know, I, I would love to, you know, hopefully broker some of that, revive local interest and, and go from there. When you had a relationship with baseball, as far as you understood the game of baseball, then you come across vintage baseball and you're listening, uh, to the gentleman explain the rules and then, you're experiencing the rules as all these clubs you talk to and you're writing a book. What were a couple of the rules that just really took hold of you and you just had to re-examine a couple of times? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody says the bound catch. Um, you know, I think, I think the fair foul rules, you know, pretty interesting as well. Um, you know, I talk about in the book that, you know, the, the no strike zone, um, you know, I mean, that's like the leading cause of arguments and ejections in today's baseball. You know, you talk about, you know, I talk about Roberto Alomar, you know, spitting in John Herspeck's face. You know, I mean, it's like that, that, that's the, that's the, uh, you know, the, 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 the biggest point of conflict in, in, in all of modern baseball. Um, but, you know, with, with vintage baseball, or at least if you're playing by the 1860s rule, very hard to strike out. You, you can do it, but, uh, you got to go out swinging, uh, which is, which is, uh, you know, good. It's uh, especially for people with bad hand eye like myself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, those, those were, I think the no gloves, of course, um, you know, trying to think of, uh, trying to think of a few other, those are, those are the big ones that really jumped out. 
Uh, once again, the name of the book is Vintage Baseball's Enduring Legacy. Uh, you can see the Akron Black Stockings right on the cover. Seems seems wrong. Uh, <laughs> I see from your release, Jack, that it's from Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Uh, what is your relationship with Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania? Is that just where the uh, uh, the book company's from? Yeah, yeah. So Poco Press, the uh, the publisher uh, is, is J. Thomas Hetrick. Uh, he's also a 19th century baseball author himself. He's uh, written some great stuff. One on uh, Chris Bondarahi, the uh, founder of the uh, St. Louis Browns, and uh, probably one of the reasons for uh, Sunday baseball and uh, beer sales. So, uh, you know, he was actually on the Hall of Fame ballot with uh, Doc Adams a few years ago, uh, fell well short. But, um, you know, that and also uh, if you're familiar with the uh, old Cleveland Spiders, um, probably the worst team of all time uh, in 1899. I think they went 20 and 134. So he wrote a, a fantastic book on that. So please check it out. You studied at Miami university. Is that Ohio or Florida? Yeah, it's, it's the Ohio one. So, uh, you know, oh. uh, you know, I, I brought my winter coat, <laughs> but I, but I was there when uh, Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback. Uh, so, you know, football became a real big deal. <laughs> uh, is football a really big deal to you personally right now? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I would, I would say I'm a uh, college football junkie. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of have a, you know, we don't choose our superpowers, but I could probably tell you <laughs> every college mascot, at least in the D one space. <laughs> All right. Right oh. now. Yeah. I was about to say, come on. <laughs> I want to hear I mean, yeah, how you, fast you, you can, you can I want to see, I want you to rattle off all of the big 10 mascots as fast as you can go. Oh man. Uh, Spartans, Wolverines, Buckeyes, Hoosiers, uh, Boilermakers, uh, uh, Gophers, Cornhuskers, uh, Terrapins, um, gosh, uh, Scarlet Knights. Uh-huh. Um, who, who am I leaving out of line? eye? um, gosh, gosh, uh, pressure, uh, uh Badgers, uh, Nittany Lions, uh, Hawkeyes, um, Wildcats, Everybody, I think he got him. Well, he, <laughs> he only said a line eye for Illinois. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to check the judges on this one. That, that, that one counts. The fact that he got the, the Scarlet Knight. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I was the that one was I was thinking he was going to get tripped up on. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, football, interesting question. Uh, for a gentleman living two miles outside of St. Louis, you lost the NFL team. Uh, the Battle Hawks came in from the the XFL, and they were selling a ton of tickets. They were the only XFL team selling a ton of tickets, and they were before when they tried this this XF, XFL thing just a few years ago. They were doing the same thing. Uh, what is the deal? Why doesn't St. Louis have an NFL team right now? <laughs> well, I'll give you a start. Well, so, you know, we, we lost the uh, Arizona Cardinals, too, back in 1987, and I will say that was shame on us because you know they wanted a they wanted a stadium deal and we told them to pound sand so they so they literally went to the sand um, and then um, you know with the Rams though you know we 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 we, we moved mountains to get uh, to get them a stadium deal but uh, you know that was uh, you know that that was I think that was predetermined uh, you know but uh, they they paid eight hundred million dollars to make it go away and uh, you know it's it's just water under the bridge but you know I've I've kind of. I've never really been much of an NFL guy. I've always been a college guy. You know, I, I, I take my football in on Saturdays. Like uh, are you following the the Miami uh, of Ohio club as your top club, or is there a club that you're really is number one? Yeah, well, I mean, I live in Columbia, Missouri, where the University of Missouri is. So, you know, we're, we're in the SEC. We're, we're, we're a bit of bottom feeders. But mm. uh, this, is a, this is kind of a make or break year for uh, – for our coach, Eli Drinkwitz, and, uh, you know, uh, hope always springs eternal in, uh, in, in the springtime. So uh, we'll see. The SEC is uh, not getting any easier but uh, with, with Oklahoma and Texas joining. But uh, it's just cool to be a part of it. I mean, there's no, no place more southern than, than northern Missouri. But, uh, you know, whatever. They, they wanted the St. Louis <laughs> Kansas City TV market, so we gladly accepted. <laughs> I love it. What is, in your opinion, the greatest college football game ever played? Oh man, um, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, there was uh, what was there that seven overtime one with Penn State and Illinois. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I was kind of at the expense of it. Uh, you know, I, basically any, any, any big game, uh, Mizzou wins, which, uh, you know, there haven't <laughs> been that many, but back in 2007 with, uh, with Chase Daniel, um, they ended the year number one overall. They beat Kansas, who was actually ranked number two um, at Arrowhead in Kansas City. Uh, I was, I couldn't afford tickets, but I was in the parking lot. So uh, yeah, I, I think that one's up there for me. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's 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 a very long list. <laughs> Chase Daniels, richest backup quarterback ever, probably. <laughs> oh yeah, he's uh, he's managed to uh, to keep his brains, and uh, I think he's actually doing some uh, commentary as well. So uh, I, I don't feel sorry for him. He's got a good future. <laughs> uh, but the greatest college football game ever played is when the punter for Michigan, Blake O'Neill, fumbled the snap and was unable to get the punt off, and fumbled it again, only to see Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson return the loose ball thirty-eight yards for the game-winning touchdown for a twenty-seven to twenty-three Spartans win over Michigan Wolverines. Uh, I'm just off. Uh, just saying. Uh, All right. Now, now I know what Michigan team you root for. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I was going to say, if you were a go blue guy, that might be a little hard because Rudy, I'm assuming you're a Buckeyes guy being in Columbus. Uh, no, I actually, so the Buckeyes are the reason that I went to Ohio university. Ah, so, Bobcats. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, but I, I, I dabble. My father is a huge Texas Longhorns fan. So the greatest game ever played in our household is when, Texas beat USC in in the Rose Bowl, but that's that's about it. And, Very cool. Uh, once again, <laughs> the game or the game, the book is Vintage Baseball's Enduring Enduring Legacy, uh, written by Jack Pelican. You can find it on Amazon and everywhere else. Jack, we we actually posted uh, posted this book and that we were going to be interviewing you and one of our faithful listeners bought a copy uh, a minute later of this book. So we're at least responsible for a copy of your book being, uh, we know that for I, sure. You know, it <laughs> wouldn't even matter. I had fun. They, they call that the roller out the barrel bump. Yeah. That's what they call that. Oh yeah. We yeah. got a stroke. We got a stroke in this community. Uh, Jack, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, you know what's really great is somebody who gets so passionate about vintage baseball and hasn't played it, has only seen it, has only participated in conversations about it, and gets passionate. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say haven't played it yet, but uh, you know I, I, hope, I hope to change that because uh, you know it's just it's just too good to pass up. Uh, before we let you go, we're actually going to do a little giving you the old pepper. It's a thing we do with uh, guests: quick questions with quick answers. Just to get to know you better, Jack. Here we go. What is your favorite color of ink? Hmm. I'll, I'll go. I'll go black. How do you eat an Oreo after dunking it in milk? What is your average bedtime? It's about nine forty-five p.m. <laughs> Give us your one of your biggest do-it-yourself home improvement fails. Oh, there's probably a lot of them. Um, I did well. I, I hung a, about a 27 foot uh, swing for my kids. Um, it, it works, uh, but I almost fell and like you know ended up in the ER like 20 times. So um, yeah, I, I guess that's probably a near fail, but. Yeah, I mean, apart from that, I'm, I'm, I'm more of an outsourcer. <laughs> uh, paper, rock, or scissors? Mm, I'll go rock. Name a movie that's made you cry. Mm. I actually can't think of it, so I'll just say Titanic. <laughs> Don't say <laughs> no. No. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> No, yes. they can't play it. No, <laughs> they came out with another video of how the Titanic, not how, not what caused it to sink, but they came out with another video of their how it how it sank to the bottom, like what happened during that. T- like, let's let it go, people. No, no, it's, too soon. Don't you dare! <laughs> it is. It is. T- it broke apart. People died. It floated to the bottom. Why are we so obsessed with how no, it no, floated? No, no, now it's funny. <laughs> now it's funny. I, I, 
I did cry as a kid watching Ghostbusters when they when they blasted Stay Puft because you know the Marshmallow Man he just looked so you know cuddly, you know it was uh, I, I I didn't know he was so sinister. I had to explain it to my son literally last week. He's like, but he's smiling. He looks like a good guy. And I was like, no, he's not. Don't. So uh, yeah, Titanic was a better answer, Jack. All right, back to it. <laughs> can you name me? And I know that you can an overrated major league baseball player from any time in history. Oh man. Uh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh. I, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but Harold Baines, I just, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's in the Hall very good. <laughs> I agree with this sentiment. Uh, what was your first car? Oh, a, uh, a 1990 Maroon Chevy Corsica. What was your first pet? First pet had a uh, black Labrador named Molly. Name something that you are terrible at, but you just keep doing. Mm. Home improvement. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you there, but that's more out of necessity. That's not out of want. Uh, Trey Turner just hit a second home run against the Tigers just now. Uh, Unbelievable. Uh, (laughs) What is one of your favorite smells? Popcorn? Yeah, I don't know. Make a lot of popcorn in our house. What did you want to be when you grew up? I think I wanted to pitch for the Cardinals, but uh, that became abundantly clear at about the age of four. Well, and Wayne <laughs> Wainwright won't ever go away, so no spots open. Uh, uh, yeah, he's we, great for close tutelage. <laughs> Name your favorite villain. Oh, that's a good one. Um... I'm gonna go like I'm gonna go like literal here because I guess I'm like a writer now. But uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna go with Fortinbras from Hamlet. I think you know he's the king of Norway. He's uh, he waits in the wing and then he makes his move at the end. And he's very you know reverent of, uh, of, of of Hamlet. I mean, I know I'm getting kind of deep here, but uh, no. you know, I think he's oh. I think he's a I think he's a classic literary villain. He's, he's classy and uh, you know he he gets what he wants. And now it's time for Rudy Frias talks. Theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one ever brings up that. No one talks about Fortinbras. No one does. That's amazing. Yes. yes. Glad you like the answer. <laughs> it was all right. It would. It, I'll tell. I'll tell you more about it later, Barrel Roller. Thank you. Don't talk down to me. Uh, <laughs> if you were played by an actor in a movie, who would you, who would you think would do a good job of that? Oh man, um, I'm just gonna go John Hamm because I'm a St. Louis guy and he's awesome. Don Draper, you know. <laughs> you were a season ticket holder for the Bleachers for the St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis, uh, much like Kansas City, known for their tailgating and barbecue and stuff like that. Best place to get barbecue in St. Louis. You know, it's kind of a uh, two camps. Some people say Pappy's, uh, but I go Sugar Fire. I think they just got, you know, they got more stuff, more sauces, better sides. And that's going to do it for us, Jack. Thank you so much for joining the show. You were a delight. Rudy, how'd you like Jack, that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, first, let me, let me take this moment to speak to anybody in the community that might be listening. Uh, Jack is the a perfect example of, why the community is, uh, I believe, in my humble opinion, so very special. Because what we are doing is much more than just putting on funny-looking outfits and playing baseball, where there's there's an educational element, and there's also a community-building element to this. And and the inclusivity of our community that to bring Jack in, talk about baseball, welcome Jack in with his questions, and help him put together this this labor of love this 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 amazing uh book that i i can't encourage people enough to go out and get because uh jack uh, we i i'm blown away uh by by this thank you so much for everything that you've done for the community and and we will you will suit up and play a vintage baseball match it's going to happen you're you're in the prime years of your vintage baseball career here 
I can't wait for it to happen. I, I would love to. Just just keep asking. I'm going to have to say yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, once again, the book's name is Vintage Baseball's Enduring Legacy, and why you should buy this book is there's a lot of there's a lot of books about vintage baseball, but you're getting a perspective from all over the country in this book, and you don't get that in a lot of the books, which all the other books are fine too. I'm not saying, but this one's going to give you, you don't understand how people in Arizona and, and well, Washington or California, you don't understand if you're from the Midwest, how they're playing it out there or maybe on the East coast and, uh, and the ladies, I mean, you got it all in this book. Uh, so we all look forward to reading it and uh, thank you once again for being on the show, Jack. Oh, thank you both. It's a pleasure. Uh, and and you're you're always welcome back to talk more about baseball and, and college football. So we got you anytime. <laughs> All right. Hey, take- have a good evening. You as well. Take care. All right. Bye. That was an incredible interview. My gosh, we're like we're not. Has it ever dawned on you? Have you ever had the thought that like, not to go full Wayne and Garth, but we're not worthy? Like some like just another guest that we're like. How did this happen? Oh, I'm definitely. I've I've felt it all season four. I'm not worthy of the guests that we've had <laughs> in season four for sure. But uh, it, you know, we've gotten lucky. It it just blows my mind once again. Like this individual is not necessarily associated with a particular club. Saw vintage baseball being played, got connected, had a conversation with some individuals, and the next thing you know, it's like his. They were they were sending him across virtually across the country to meet the the many people the many characters of the vintage baseball community. It's just it's beautiful. Uh, Rudy, let's take a second to talk about our upcoming experience at the Akron Cup. Uh, tell everybody what the format normally is for the Akron Cup. Uh, the current Akron Cup format that I believe there is the um, there are two divisions. And uh, teams play each other in those divisions, and the two teams that come out of those divisions with the best record will play each other on Sunday uh, for the actual Akron Cup trophy, um, which is uh, different from what it used to be, where it was it was more of a the cup Akron Cup was more of a, a name for the festival, the event of it. Um, still amazing, still a fantastic event, but now it's uh it's got you know you get a little bit. The, the games have a little bit more pizzazz, a little more clip to them now because there's there everybody's playing for something. Uh, see how many of the clubs attending you can name off. There's ten of them. There's ten. I'm going to say uh, the Akron Black Stockings. I'm going to say uh, the Canal Fulton Mules, the Canal Dover Red Legs. Mm. Um, no, no Red Legs. Oh. No mules. Okay. No mules. No mules. What? They're not That's on the shocking. list. They're not on the list. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Okay, so Dover, we got the Red Lakes, we got the Black Stockings, we've got Addison Mountain Stars, we have uh, the Canton Corn Shuckers, we have the Alliance Crossing Rails. There will be. I'm gonna. Are uh the Columbus Capitals obviously? So that's seven. I got oh, that's seven. Six. You didn't That's say seven. you you st- you put up six because you were going to say something, and then you said, "Oh, well, the Columbus Capitals." Boom, and you named seven, but you never named no. six. No, and then uh, I mean, there's a yes. Let don't me ask- know me. You don't know me. Listen, no, I was right. My math is right. Check the tape. Um, I th- I I mean, in the past, they've had so many clubs. They've had the Cleveland Blues. They've had um, the uh, the Lottie Dodds. They've had. I mean, who who are some of the, uh, some of the clubs I'm missing? Uh, you're missing the Walker Tavern Wheels. You're oh missing. My gosh, they're coming. You're missing the Rochester Grangers. Oh my gosh, they're coming. You're missing the Bear Clan of Flat Rock. No way. Yeah. Holy crap! I don't. We're even... not going to win a single game. <laughs> Must be finished baseball season. <laughs> you can't you know what you did it in reverse you can't appreciate winning all the te- all the time unless you lose right but you yeah. you in your baseball career came out winning all the time and 
you've done it in reverse. No, no, no. We we we've we've crescendoed. We we've hit we've hit the top mountaintop, and now we're just tumbling down. It's it's, it's okay. It's that's a that that is a great pool of clubs. I mean, kudos to the to the Akron Blackstockings for putting in the work and and getting clubs like that to attend the event. That's going to be really great. That's going to be some great baseball for people. It's going to be great baseball. It's going to be great video content for us, uh, for yeah. sure. Because we're going to have a lot of intense matches to a lot of yeah and uh also uh we got the gingerly gentleman and the mightiest striker and when you're pulling people from that talent pool uh you know the mightiest striker is going to be crazy oh my god uh by the way we have our first official entrant into the mightiest striker from the addison mountain stars jeff the wall bender oh so every club, yeah. every club in Akron gets one gingerly gentleman and one mightiest striker, and then there's going to be spots left over. So then there's going to be a draft of the order that they get to pick one of those spots. So some clubs huh? are going to have two mightiest strikers, and some are going to have two gingerly gentlemen, and that's the way that's going to go. We're going to have to be very mindful about our batteries because – I really desperately want the community to be able to see the gingerly gentleman and the mightiest striker. I think, I mean, cause they're, I mean, the people who got to witness those at, at this little rinky dink event called the Michigan vintage baseball festival, that that's all they raved about. It was such a fantastic time. And I really hope we get that done uh, on video. And you know, Oh no, we're going to get it on video. And you know, the oh, yeah. best part is we have volunteers and people to help this time. So many, that you're not going to have to be in the outfield. What? Yeah, no. we get to actually do the play call of the gingerly gentleman and mightiest striker. Uh, or one of us will. One of us will with an additional host because because I have to call it, you know, out there. So I actually won't be recording. But uh, anyway. You'll, you'll be. But anyway, my voice travels, so I'll probably be all over the recording. Uh, Love it. Uh, yeah, so I can't wait. Uh, the orange slice, uh, moonshine, the slices came in the mail the other day. And also we looked up the, uh, recipe for the watermelon jalapeno that is not for anybody except you, me and, and Amy, uh, is your wife coming? Uh, fingers crossed. We might be bringing the whole crew. So uh, we're, we're, we're gluttons for punishment. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if. You know, it's hard to get up the whole family to come to one of these deals, but if you're going to do that, this is probably one of the places to do that at. So uh, this and Worlds, that's probably the only one she sees, right? Pretty much, yep. Not not shabby. <laughs> not too shabby yeah, for yeah. those to be the two events that, that you pack up the she, entire crew for. She has a particular taste, and she only picks the finest of events to attend. So no doubt my wife is a gym. Uh, you know, we're only about a minute away from being, uh, right on the nose for an hour. Rudy, did you want to go ahead and sing something? Um, I would love to sing something. However, um, the, the acoustics are all off in this room. It wouldn't, that wouldn't sound good. Let's face the facts about me and you, a love unspecified. Though I'm proud to call you Mocha Bear, the crowd will always talk and stare. I feel exactly those feelings too, and that's why I keep them inside. Cause this bear can't bear the world's disdain, and sometimes it's easier to hide than explain our guy love that's all it is. Guy love, he's mine and I'm his. There's nothing gay about it in our eyes. You ask me about this thing we share, and he tenderly replies, It's guy love between two guys. 